Welcome to Watershed's March podcast. This month, Mark Cosgrove, cinema curator at Watershed, and Professor Tim Cole from University of Bristol reflect on some of the themes, ideas and discussions that have emerged from films recently screened at Watershed as part of conversations about cinema, Impact of Conflict. This season of screenings, events and conversations, co-created by Mark and Tim, continues until July and looks at how film and filmmakers address the impact of conflict. Over to Mark and Tim. Tim, just generally, um, what's your sort of reflections on what's happened in the past month with the screenings? I mean, I think one thing that's been interesting, um, you know, which is partly some of the stuff that's come up in in discussions with um, audiences after the events, and then um, also through um, the the kind of things that people have been tweeting or um, or posting up on the the cinema wall, is a sense of the kind of connections that people. Um, have been drawing. So, you know, in, in many ways, the kind of events we've been looking at are, in the case of First World War, obviously a century old. Um, in the case of um, Second World War, um, 70 years old. So, in many ways, outside of the lifetime of most of the people that have been coming to this cinema, probably pretty much everyone. So, our audiences have, have generally been in the age group well below 70, haven't they? Yeah. But it, it's this sense of connections yeah. that I think have been really interesting. And, and connections operating in a few kind of ways. I think one of the things that's really struck me is the way that um, people have connected the events, so in a sense the kind of big history events of war, um, to their own family stories. Mm. So had so many of these moments in, in conversations afterwards where people watch Testament of Youth and then start to talk about family in the First World War, mm. or people watch um, Glass of the Unjust and then suddenly they start to talk about their parents or their grandparents mm. and their experience as Czech Jews um, mm. in the 1940s. So there's that sense um, that it's almost, it touches a kind of nerve, I think. This theme of war, you, you get the sense that it, it involves doesn't seem everyone. Di- it doesn't seem distant not anymore. Not you know, in, in the way that, you know, you sort of think uh, and particularly with the brunch season, you know, here's these old black and white films that somehow seem, I think I described them as, let's describe them as historical artefacts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it's something that you pick up and sort of look at and from a distant past but as you say there's that very you know generational immediate generational generational connection yeah absolutely and it, I mean partly that suggests doesn't it the way that the, these kind of events these sort of great historical events um, have such an impact that in in some ways they affect families even in in Bristol mm. um, and that they're still a very kind of live part of familial memory mm. but I think the, the rebels in the um, the rebels in the rubble, sorry, the rebels in the rubble season has been interesting, isn't it? In that, you know, the passport to Pimlico, I think one of the things that came through a lot was people were talking about sort of localism, mm. the kind of mm. sense of a sort of local alternative economy and, and politics that's been generated in the aftermath of war. And people drawing that connection with Bristol Pound, with the kind of localist movements in Bristol. I thought there were some really interesting moments there where you got the sense that some of the themes and ideas that appear to be largely about a moment, you know, we talked, didn't we, before about how one of the things that war does is it's this sort of supreme test of society mm. and its values and the economy. Um, and what's interesting, I think, is that people are also reading this contemporary moment, mm. which is not so clearly characterised by warfare in the context of Britain. Again, as a moment of test of, of you know, of kind of austerity, if you like, yeah. as testing there's, some of the kind of yeah. ideas of economics and politics. Well, there's a couple of comments that were posted. Um, um, in our notice board, but also on Twitter. One, I'll read them out, um, on Passport to Pimlico. It's a film about localism, very relevant in the era of Bristol Pound. 
so as you say, making that connection between what's and in a way with the Bristol Pound, you know, it's not the Southwest Pound, it's not the um, you, you know uh, broader. It's a very specific yeah, area, absolutely. which is what Passport to Pimlico is about. It's about this localized community. Yeah, that's almost kind of like local revolution, isn't it? A sort of self-governing yeah. entity yeah. that's being generated. I mean, in a way, you could see uh, uh, Bristol's mayor George Ferguson has been a kind of absolutely you know, part of Passport to Pimlico. No, absolutely. I mean, and, uh, and I think, it, you know, that's what's interesting, isn't it, about when you, sc- you show those kind of screens, like you screen those films, you know, like you said, this, in, in many ways, those are kind of unearthing films out of the archive, aren't they? But actually, there's, there's something there that feels very contemporary. Yeah, the know, there's, there's, Another one was, um, in times of deprivation and fear, community and cooperation make us more resilient than capitalism. So again, I mean, the, the resonance of that um, community and cooperation that was happening post-war and, and passport to Pimlico, um, you know, relating it to austerity mm-hmm. just now, and that you know there is that um, debate, isn't there, that's going on? It's austere. We've got to tighten our belt, or do you have um, you know more community, more um, uh, uh, government support for communities mm-hmm. um, in cooperation. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of advocating, isn't it, sort of local alternative solutions to, you know, the kind of challenges that yeah. things, rather crisis, global crisis... Rather than this big stick austerity, yeah, everybody's yeah. in this together. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? You show that movie and people start to make those kind of connections. Yeah. Multiple people start to kind of talk about those those kind of really big issues that are very, you know, contemporary in terms of the sort of economic situation we find ourselves in. One, one of the things that was a great comment that came up with um, the Rebels in the Rubble season... Um, great because I think you know it, it talks about them as a whole, which it says great season. Europe in ruins plays itself, upstages most of the actors with its tragic, matter-of-fact bleakness, which I, I, I thought was extraordinary. Um, you know that that thing about, of course, it's, they're all in Europe and it's about Europe in that moment, mm-hmm. and actually Europe in ruins is the major character, as it were, across all these four films. And um, an extraordinary, astute comment, I thought. Yeah, with the sense of um, the landscape not just being a kind of backdrop where a, a set of, of actors perform something, but the landscape is a part of that performance, is a kind of central player, isn't it? The landscape is like the key actor in a lot of those films, mm. I think, isn't it? And, I mean, I don't know, we, we talked a bit about that, didn't we, before of the sense that one of the things about war is its destructiveness, and that destructiveness is very much read in the European landscape in destroyed cities in 1945 and in, into the 1950s. And, and they're, I mean, they're kind of... They're strong. Those are strong images, aren't they? The images of those destroyed cities are really strong images that work um, in film as a kind of visual spectacle. Mm. I, I wonder how how we read it. So you know, ruins are read in a certain way, aren't they? There's something kind of attractive about ruins, if you think. You know, this sort of well, sense of when, melancholy. It, 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 well, it, that um, famous uh, there's many famous photographs, but the one I mentioned of the burnt out Dresden, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The sort of completely. The, there is an, an in the Gothic um, figure in the cathedral that's in, in uh, to the right hand frame of the picture, overlooking this complete destruction, and there is an absolute melancholy, but. Um, but there is also, therefore, the possibility of transformation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're building that you something said, entirely is that, new. Is that what you get out of um, what you get out of this destruction? Is the ability, the possibility, rather, mm-hmm. of uh, renewal? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which is their sort of almost pregnant spaces, aren't they? Because yeah. of the, the the sense of of kind of wiping the slate clean, a possibility for Europe to become a new kind of of nation, yeah, a new kind of space. I finish up on the the rebels and the rubble season because I want to bring in open city and ashes and diamonds in it, um, which of course you, you know completely um, with that Europe as a character. You know, here here you've got uh, Rome and in um, Ashes and diamonds. You've got um, Warsaw, uh, you, huh? you've got you've got Warsaw, yeah. and it, but this this another comment says Rome and City and Ashes and Diamonds, both hugely affecting on the big screen, both take you into times and places that the history books don't and cannot, full of strange, wonderful and tragic detail that make conflict so human and mundane, which again is um, I, I think is a. Um, it's testament to the films mm-hmm. that they've yeah, yeah, yeah. engendered that response from somebody yeah. and they still have that immense power um, yeah. uh, uh, to impact on people. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Rome Open City. So uh, I wonder if some, a film like that is more successful than, say, Testament of Youth in taking you to a time and place. So in a sense, you're working more of a kind of almost documentary style um, mode of representation where you're filming in, you know, we said this, didn't we? Mm. Um, that one of the things that's interesting about that set of films, Rebels and the Rebels, that you know, it's they're filming in the physical landscape itself, using that that more documentary approach rather than the kind of reconstruction of the historical drama. And I think, I mean, I I kind of wonder if you know, in the sort of the Twitter chat after. Testament to Youth. I think there's some questions really about well, does it kind of fall into the sort of usual yeah. tropes of war? It's it's yeah. not that effective really in, in in really representing the trenches. I wonder if there is a sense in which those um, films in in the Rebels and the Rebels series do a better job of capturing the kind of just uh, this moment. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right. And, and I mean, well, both um, Rome Open City uh, and indeed Passport to Pimlico, but Ashes and Diamonds. I mean, um, the third man was made a few years mm-hmm, after, mm-hmm. but oh, still within the the sort of you know bombed out, um, you know, Austria. Um, but it's more of a sort of theatricality to it um, in drama, whereas Ashes and Diamonds, even though it was made after, still very raw, still very, um, uh, um, you know, a sense of the danger, um, the immediate danger, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in Rome Open City, I think, is the sort of, um, I mean, very much a landmark film, which because of that cine verite style, the immediacy of it, and the sense that, and you see it in some um, films that are uh, documentaries that are shot in, you know, uh, Syria or whatever, a real sense of threat and a real sense. So mm-hmm. it's, it's got that edge to it that's very much alive. And that film was, was I mean, I think I was saying earlier, is that there, there is a direct link between films like Rome Open City, the sort of neorealist aesthetic that... Um, Rossellini uh, and the other Italians established with that a kind of authenticity of experience and um, telling people's stories in that immediate way, which links to somebody like Ken Loach in the early 60s. Um, and then the sort of documentary and the blurring between documentary and fiction. And, you know, that, that a film like that still... Brilliant, that a film like that still has the power. Whereas with Testament of Youth, and um, for me as a, a film, you know, as a cinema curator and a person who deals with film, as a film, uh, Testament of Youth felt very um, felt very conventional, it felt quite flat, it felt quite clichéd. Um, you know, there was some even some jokes on Twitter about, you know, hair um about hats and about the you know and, and in a way you were drawn away from the uh, time of the story. Um and so I don't think Testament of Youth is in that same 
is about the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but what was really fascinating with Testament of Youth, uh, you, you said earlier, is that it was the audience's response to, yes, my grandmother... Um, you know, um, had to do this during that time. Yeah, this 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 one from Testament says made me proud that my parents' generation and their parents before them managed to raise me in a world where I wasn't taught to hate our at that time enemies, um, despite the horrors that we did to each other. So the pacifist message mm-hmm. that was in Vera Britton's um, story at the end, it's kind of the that that comes out rather than it's kind of immediacy or authenticity yeah, to yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, I mean, that comes out really strongly, I think, doesn't it? It's a film that has a very strong um, pacifist message. And I think the, um, the ability of film to uh, resonate in that way. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I, you know from, from early on, I was thinking, great to put Passport to Pimlico in this context, but is it a bit sort of frivolous? Is mm-hmm. it a bit, you know... Um, um, you know, healing comedy. You know, I'd like to think it would still, you know, have that sort of um, resonance. A film can have that um, ability to open up that sort of discussion. To find out more about upcoming films and the impact of conflict season, visit watershed.co.uk. To read and watch further written and recorded responses to the film so far, and to find out how to easily join the conversation yourself, then visit conversationsaboutcinema.co.uk or follow the Twitter hashtag ConvoCinema.